Welcome back to Kansas City Real Talk, brought to you by KCRR. I'm Bobby Howe. And I'm Alex Caring. Hey, Alex. What's up? Well, I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm tired, if I'm being tired. honest. Yeah. Okay. I've had three trips in the last three weeks. And then I have, I believe the number is like seven more in the next eight weeks. <laughs> it's a lot. It's, it's a lot, lot of trips. I, a- I feel like I have a lot of trips this year, but I, I thought that you know, I, I always think that. And then I look at people like you who are so involved in NAR and all of these other things and speaking engagements. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how in the world do you people do it? Mm-hmm. You people. You um, people. And mine have I, all been NAR events. It wasn't even, I mean, one was an NAR event that I was speaking at, but they've all been NAR events. Cause I was just thinking about that. Like yesterday I was going to make a post and then I realized, wait, I'd have to tag NAR three times in a row. So <laughs> did, did president circle. I loved president circle this year it's probably jealous one of my very favorite president circles and even the people that I thought I was not necessarily going to enjoy as speakers I absolutely saw a brand new side of them that I had never seen before and absolutely loved it Um, I heard Kellyanne Conway was amazing of all people that's who I was referring to I didn't think I was going to enjoy Kellyanne at all yeah (laughs) I loved her like she is She's I've, I've heard that she was I, smart. She was intelligent. And, you know, you know, you go back to fake news and the way she's portrayed in the media. And all of a sudden I start seeing some things that I hadn't seen before. And her and Patty Salise Doyle were freaking amazing on stage. Uh, Mike Pompeo cool. was great, except Mike Pompeo <laughs> was really interesting because there were certain times where you could tell his body language. I know, I know what I'm saying. And yet he, he told very fascinating stories. And yet there was times his body language, you could tell he was either doing mistruths or he was concealing information or he just, his, he would be really open with what he was saying. And then all of a sudden, like his body language would close up, like with the Interesting. Next it was very, and I hadn't noticed it at first because my eyesight's not getting really good, right? My eyesight's getting really poor right now. And so hmm. I was sitting at the back of the room this, even the stage and the monitors were kind of blurry. So I wasn't focusing in on anything till the person next to me said, Hey, watch his body language. And I did. And I was like, Whoa, like there were some major tells when it felt like he was telling a true story. And when he was telling a story where, whether he was concealing or giving mistruths or whatever, but there was a definite change in his body language. That's really interesting. I will say that when we went to Marco Island in June, which is the worst time in the world to go to Marco Island, yeah. even though it was the worst time in the world to go to Marco Island, it was by far my favorite conference that I've been to. Mm-hmm. Um, President Circle is so much fun. I was really bummed that I couldn't go, but I was having a really hard time. Even though I paid for it, I was having a really hard time convincing Sarah that yep. it was a good idea for me to go to the Bahamas with a, a newborn uh, at home. So um, yeah. so I, I was a good husband and I skipped out on that, but I will never miss it again. Yeah. I'll never miss it again. Um, Next year is Cancun. It's all inclusive. It's, oh, yeah. It's so all inclusive. Fun. What, what? And kids under 17 are free. So you got two of those. So Mr. I, I might take them to Cancun. Oh. This doesn't sound like a ton of fun to me, uh, to take the kids to Cancun. Yeah. I'll leave them at home. Um, Ooh, you will. So you know how I feel in general about cardio. I think we've talked about this and I'm not into it. You are cardio queen. I do not, you, you do. 
Are you making a face about that? How many freaking marathons are you going to run this year? Well, it's really funny because I'm dopey. wearing a marathon shirt right now. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead and make that face. So I, I've already ran a marathon this year. So, I mean, I got that in early in January. Whatever. So, but I decided I need to work off some baby weight because, um, okay. you know, the, the third you put trimester. Yeah. Yeah. The third trimester is right. Too. I've already dropped everything that I gained, which is good. Uh, but I've been running more and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm training to do, I'm starting small and training to do my first 5k. So I'm working on that. And okay. then, and, and we're and you know, so that's been good. Okay. And, uh, I'm going to plan on doing that here in, in May. Are so, you, which one is it? Which one are you running? I don't know. I don't know. We've, we've looked at a couple of different options. There's like one in, in Lawrence that looked interesting. And then there's uh, another one in Kansas City that looks interesting. There's like some glitter thing going on. There's colors and blasts of, I don't remember. Somebody else is helping me look for this because they're doing it too. So we're trying to, we're trying to figure it all out, but I'm going to do it. And I'm, and I'm successfully training for it. So it's been, it's been good. I'm never going to run a marathon because that seems insane to me. So yeah. those are words that I once said, and I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying for my personal perspective, a 5k is hell. I hate 5ks. I think they're yeah. the worst distance possible. And I know that doesn't make sense, but for me, the first one to three miles of any run that I do are the worst parts of my run. It takes actually getting past that for my body to like regulate and get my breathing right. And for it Mm. to actually start to become fun. So for me, the half marathon, 13.1 miles is actually my favorite distance because I, it doesn't feel like it's too much on the body. And I feel like I've got a decent workout in, but I didn't necessarily work too hard. I think I worked too hard. How much time does that take? Uh, so about two ish hours give or take a little bit on either side, depending on your speed, but it's about two hours. It's not, you're looking at me like I'm crazy for running for two hours, but it's really marathon six hours. Like I run marathon for six hours. So two hours is really not bad in comparison. Oh my gosh. I know, but two, I, I can't, you know, I, I play, uh, I can't go golfing cause it might take longer than two hours and it scares me. What does so. it scare you? Do you have other things? Or are you just worried about yeah, too much cardio it, in those two hours? The idea of spending two hours or more on anything, like I, I it scares me. Unless it's watching the guy. I feel like this is like a psychological <laughs> moment. We could dig down into Alex's deep could emotions of being scared to spend more than two hours I, at any one activity. I, it's true. I'm I'm always afraid I'm gonna lose a I'm gonna miss a call. I've got to teach a CE class tomorrow and it's three hours. Mm-hmm. And I, which by the way, I love teaching. It's one right. of my favorite things and forms is what I'm teaching. I especially love teaching forms, which is, doesn't make any sense, No, um, but I, I love it. It's so much fun for me. And yet I beat myself up every minute until the class, because mm-hmm. I agreed to do this thing and it's going to take three hours of my time. And I'm like, I don't have three hours. Yep. Like I don't have I don't have any, like, that's so, such a long time. And really it's like five because, right. you know, you've got to spend 15 minutes preparing for it <laughs> and then, and then I've got, you know, commute time. So mm-hmm. it takes, it takes too long. And uh, then I do it and it's like the most rewarding thing. So maybe running will be the same, but I, so I don't know. 
I, running is not the same as teaching for me. And I'm, I am very confident that no one from where I'm about to mention is going to be listening to this podcast. But at the end of the month, I'm going up to Butte, Montana, and I'm doing two four-hour CE classes or GRI classes back to back. Well, there's a lunch oh. in between. So I have eight oh. hours of teaching that day. And as much as I love teaching, I am not, I'm not even, even with the paycheck, I am not looking forward. And Mara Neal is also going, she's teaching in the next classroom. So we're going to get in there at seven <laughs> o'clock the night before we'll start teaching at 8 AM. We'll be done at 5 oh. PM. We fly out at 6 AM the next day. And she's like, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be looking forward to this. And I'm like, we're still not even really going to see each other or anything in Butte, Montana, the entire time we're there, we're going to see the inside of a hotel conference room. So yeah, I feel you. I get you. Mm. Yeah. So man. Yeah. But well, speaking of Mora, I just got back from NAR's AE constant yeah. AE Institute. Where I saw that on the Facebooks. It was really cool because we presented a session as members, as realtor members, we presented a session to the AEs on how association operations have changed since the pandemic. And it was really interesting because they came to us and said, hey, we'd like to have members teach this class, go out. We know you're involved members. You already, you know, at the local, state and national levels, go do your research and then come back and present to us on these five topics within association operations. So we went and we did that. But as we got there and we started talking to people, they're like, well, why are members telling us this? And we're like, yeah, we know it sounds really weird. It sounds really awkward, but you know, we told them. And then we got up on stage and after we were done, everybody was like, and these are not people who are like nice to us, who have to be nice to us. Like mm, Kip, he has to be nice to us. These were like strangers that said, that was our favorite session we've had the whole time. And because it came from an outside perspective back towards That's us. Good. It was so much fun, but it was really weird being at a realtor conference with just AEs and staff because it felt like we were like infiltrating their ranks, you know, like the staff all gets together. Now here's these members walking around spying on them. Like you should be working. We weren't, but it was awkward. So, <laughs> well, that's fun. And look, I, Kip said that it was a great presentation. I know that. See, and, and Kip's asked that, to say nice things. So yes, Kip did say it was true. nice, but Kip, Kip's kind of required to be nice to us. So there's <laughs> that. It's a job. Um, well, Bobby, so what are we talking about today? I'm so excited for today. Today, we are going to be bringing in Josh Wells, and he is the president of the Edie Waters team, and they are one of the top 10 teams we have here in Kansas City, and we're just going to have a conversation about the mindset, the work ethic, the work involved to be one of the top producers in our Kansas City market, and I, I absolutely love Josh, and I know everybody here is going to love Josh for if for no other reason than his accent. <laughs> so Josh is British. And so Josh is just one of those people that we just love to listen to. And we just, Josh, just keep talking. It doesn't matter. Just read out of the dictionary, you know, just say words. It's fine. So, but no. Is this Josh the first is really... British person that we've had? <gasps> I believe this is the first. Yes. Oh my gosh. I mean, we had Stefan Swampel. Where's he from? South, South Africa. Africa. So he's from yeah. South Africa. Doesn't count. And, I mean, Technically, we had Mark Solomon on, and he is Canadian. That's not that doesn't count as British either. But I know, but he's still like if we're thinking <laughs> if, if we're looking at foreigners, like we've had several foreigners on our podcast, but not <laughs> British. Yeah, stop it. Oh, you know what? You know what else we have before our our guest comes on? 
doesn't involve books and bits Ooh, oh kind of what what are you reviewing today bobby i this is a family just show. wait just, and here's what's gonna be even funnier estate. whenever i say the title it's fine oh god do 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 bobby's book casey okay my book bit for today is called outer order inner calm um it's very yoga very at peace with myself book um but it just gives you advice on how to declutter your space and your life in order to keep it orderly so you can foster your inner peace i feel like people are like everybody i'm talking to is just so disorganized and everything is just life is busy like spring is here even though it's not here but we're going like a hundred miles an hour and just but even my desk has like well you can't see down on the floor because i amber saw me finishing up all my taxes right before you got here and i just have pieces of paper like everywhere so my quote from the book is when i clean up that mess i'm always surprised by the disproportionate energy and cheer i gain plus i'm able to find my keys and I know that for me, whenever I go and I clean up a big mess, like it gives me some energy to go back and it gives me some calm. And so I think that's probably why I relate to this book a little bit, but um, there are three lessons to this book, like always. And the first one ends is tidying up means you earn serenity, focus, and motivation, which means a better present and a better future. And it talks about since our mind feeds on our senses and our emotions, pleasing them is always the fastest way to raise our spirit and gain self-confidence to take on new challenges. So sometimes something as simple as cleaning something up can change your self-confidence towards yourself. The second one is adopt the right mindset to understand what you need, love, and use and free yourself from the rest. So in order to make informed decisions while you're decluttering for every object, ask yourself, is this something I need? Is this something I love? Or is this something I use? It's kind of like the Marie Kondo thing. Like, does it spark joy in you? But that's what I was a, thinking. Yeah, it's a little bit deeper in that it's love, need, or use. I sometimes do this in my closet. <laughs> I may not wear this, but I love it. And so I'm going to keep it. And now but recently that's come back in a good way because I lost some weight and like all these clothes I'd been getting rid of were gone, but I had a few pieces that I just loved and now they fit again. So it's, it's lovely. I like it. Um, and then the third one is self-knowledge and some tricks can help you fight and prevent stress. The right questions can help you understand what kind of order you need to work efficiently and truly recharge and motivate you to maintain it. So that's my book bit. Outer Order, Inner Calm by Gretchen Rubin. Nice. And with that, it's time to bring on our guest, Mr. Josh Wells. We'll be right back with him. Welcome back to Kansas City Real Talk. We are here with our guest, Josh Wells, president of the ED Waters team. So, hey, Josh, hey, great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Um, like I said, before you came on, you are the first British person we've actually had on the podcast nice. and everyone's going to enjoy your accent. So I'm really excited about that. I'll um, claim it. I like it, but talk to us tell us your journey about coming to the U S how did yeah. you get in real estate and how did you get connected to ED waters team in the first place? 
Okay, I'll try and keep it somewhat brief. Um, my, I actually grew up in the industry. My dad still sells real estate back in England, um, and I never wanted to do it. Um, it is so different there how it is to hear your salary, you work weekend, you know, all the crazy stuff. Now, what is nice, you get a company car, you get a cell phone and stuff. So anyway, long story short, didn't want to do that. However, I was playing soccer at a decent level as a kid coming up and had the opportunity to come over here on a scholarship um, for soccer um, when I was about 17. Um, and my parents were like, mm, you're not coming to the States at 17 years old. So I kind of fell out of love for the game for a little bit. And I, my passion actually is criminal justice. So I almost joined the military. I had my eye test, my physical, everything to join the British Royal Marines. And then out of the blue, I got a call again from kind of, he acts as your agent in a way. And he said, look, you know, you're, I think I was 19 now. And he said, I can get you out to the US still if you want to go. Um, and so my dad and my grandpa, who I'm really close with, they said, look, you've got to go. If, if you don't go, you're going to regret it. You know, the military is always going to be here. The police department's always going to be here. You know, go do that and have fun for four years and then come back. So I came over here on a soccer scholarship. Criminal justice was my major. Um, I interned with Kansas City Police Department. Absolutely loved it. Um, met my now wife. We've been together seven or eight years now. Have a little three-year-old. Um, and so I wanted to be a Kansas City police officer. Interned. It was amazing. Then I quickly found out because I'm not a U.S. citizen, I couldn't apply. Um, so it was a case of you either go to, I think it was Colorado or New York. Um, and my wife had just got a job as a teacher and it was like, yeah, we're not going to do that. Um, so just through a family friend, I kind of fell into some night work security at apartment complexes. Um, and it was miserable, as you can imagine, just driving a car around different apartment complexes at night. Um, and the car just kept breaking down. So I wouldn't even finish all my shifts sometimes. And so quickly we found out one of the managers was actually stealing money um so they let her go and they said well do you just want to be a property manager and work nice five monday through friday I'm like, heck yeah that sounds good we'll just do that so i kind of fell into property management um and then just on the side because of my dad and real estate i was like well i wasn't sure because i never really got coached or trained we were doing really well with property management stuff but i was making zero money i mean teachers don't get paid what they should and i was making less than a teacher so it got to a point where I was like, well, maybe I should just get my license and I can sell a few on the side. And strictly, honestly, it was just for the cash. I was like, oh, I'll make a bunch of money on the side. Well, I'd done that. And my first transaction actually um, was with a Keller Williams agent. And so our old team leader at the time, he reached out to me. And what was really good about that was he knew financially I couldn't be in real estate full time. Um, so he met me every single month. I would drive up north. I live south in Blue Springs. I would drive north to meet him and he would give me goals every single month. He would say, okay, go do this, go do this. I would come back and I had zero clue, zero training. I was with a booty firm. So she didn't do anything. She was just like, oh, I'll take a bit of your commission and you just do it on site. So he told me about these things called FISBOs and all this sort of stuff. So I was like, okay, I guess that's what you have to do in real estate. So I would just get into the office and I'm sure the owner won't hear this, the old owner. I would get to the office, send my maintenance guy out. And then between like 10 and two, if I didn't have anyone coming in, I would just call Fizzbubs. Uh, so I was calling for sale by owners. I was Googling like what to say to a sale by owner because I didn't know what to say. And I would listen to a bunch of people and I was like, well, that's a bit salesy. And I just kind of make it my own. Um, and like I said, luckily I'd, I'd done a couple of transactions. Um, and then he said to me, when you have six months of your family income, you can go full time. So back then that would have been about, I needed $10,000 in my savings. I got to about six and a half thousand and I was like, you know what, screw it. I'm just going to jump in. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, I'll get a job busting tables. I'll work at McDonald's. I don't care. I, I said to my wife, there's no way 
I won't get a job somewhere. I'll get a job somewhere. So I wasn't making any money anyway. So what was the risk? So kind of jumped in and right away, fortunately, um, just because of what I'd learned, I was getting some listings. I don't know how, because I had no listing presentation. I had no idea what I was doing. And maybe it was the accent. I don't know. I was doing some um, appointments and my first year I sold about 12 or 13 homes solo. Um, and my ultimate goal, just from seeing what my dad done and things was to be a team leader of a market center. Um, so I told our old team leader, that's what I want to do one day. Um, and then that's when he kind of said, well, there's a lady called Edie Waters that's looking to grow her team. She needs some assistance with that. You know, maybe that'd be a great way to get experience. So I met with Edie and she was like, look, you know, come and join me for three years. And that three years education you get, you're going to sell a lot of real estate. And that'd be about, that'll be like you being in the business 10 years. And then I will help you find a team leader position. So I'm like, I'm all in now. It's seven or eight years later and I still don't have that team leader position. And I never want that team leader position because um, I love what I do now. Um, but yeah, she just helped me do that. And she kind of laid out the vision and the goals. And I ended up going from selling 13 to my first year with ED selling 40 houses in my first year. And then we went to a class um, where it was all about this thing called expansion, which is obviously in the Keller Williams world. So we went there, Kristen Cole was talking and Edie talks about this sometimes when she gets interviewed and we kind of looked at each other and we we're like, well, that sounds kind of fun. And I was like, yeah, that sounds good. Should, should we just do that? And I'm like, yeah, let's do that. Uh, and so because she was in the North office, I lived out South, I started getting some business and I was the only agent at the time on our team getting business out my way. And there's at the time five of us and there was, and we were doing about 30 million in sales. Um, and so because I was getting business out that way, the phone started ringing. Well, then we needed more agents out that way. So then we grew into the Lee Summit Market Center. And then it just kind of grew from there to what it is today. So I remember when you guys went and attended that class and like okay. the way that the, I remember watching that change happen. Yep. Um, and I've, I've loved watching you grow. I've loved watching Edie Waters team grow. So let's yeah. talk a little bit about that before we get into like some more specifics and some other things is Edie's team had been, or Edie herself had been at a ceiling for like forever, like 20 million, 20 million, 20 million. And then all of a sudden it was 40, 60, 100, 200. Talk to me about that change of where she broke through that ceiling and bringing you and building the team. Talk to me about that change and how she and her business broke through and how you all worked together for that. Yeah, so she started getting, you know, through a new brokerage, she started getting exposed to different avenues and different mindsets and training, which she didn't have prior. Um, and then we just started getting introduced to different people that were doing it at a high level because here in Kansas City actually there wasn't a lot of people doing it if anyone um so we were just flying out and meeting people out in Carolina and Florida and all these other places and just attending the classes and what our brokerage had to offer um and it just kind of grew from there and what we learned really quickly was you have to grow in a way kind of fast but it's hard to do that and keep the right culture so of course there's ups and downs what I would say, we don't have a lot of turnover, um, which is good. And I know in real estate, it obviously is a lot of turnover and teams have turnover. Yes, we have it, but normally there's some self-discovery involved or it just isn't a right fit. Um, but it just kind of, over the years, we're like, okay, we hit the next milestone. So, okay, we've got this amount of agents now. How can we develop them? And what is the new system we can do? And that's what Edie, I would say, has been really good at. She's always thinking in the future and she's like, okay, what can we offer the agents today or next year that no one else is doing so they stay with us? Because if we offer more value than anywhere else, why would you ever want to leave? Um, and that's why we have agents that have been with us longer than I even have. Um, so that's kind of what we started doing slowly in steps. We wasn't a team that came out the gate, you know, shot the gun and just flew. We, you know, it took time. And there was a one or two years in there where 
we didn't really increase too much in volume and we cut back a few of the agents because we wanted to keep that quality going. Yeah. One of the things that you talked about was making sure that your people can grow inside your world. And that's exactly what's happened for you when you were talking about like three years and I'm just going to be a team leader, but Edie has expanded her world large enough that your world still fits in it. So talk to me a little bit about how many agents you have, how do you help them set their goals and how do you help them hit their goals and how does that affect you guys as a whole team in everything you're doing? Yeah. So right now, if you include staff, we are in, uh, I think we're at 66 agents and staff now. Um, every single year we do, we all get together and we plan out the following year. And we always ask the agents about three weeks leading up to it. We start working on their one, three, fives and their goals for the following year. Where are they at this year? And then when we get that number, that's then when we kind of put that all together and we say, okay, are we realistic? And then we talk about as leadership, where can we grow to, you know, is this realistic? And then that's how we set our yearly goals. So Honestly, if this year all the agents came out and said, we want to do the same as last year, right? We might have done the same as last year. Obviously, they don't. They want to build. And we hopefully built that um, community where they want to grow. But that's kind of how we start that. Now, to hold people accountable to that is hard. And that's where you need good people in place. Because one of the things we offer every single agent on our team is you get a one-on-one every single week. Um, so we have our team meetings. We have our training classes. Um, and on top of that, we have a one-on-one every single week. And that was pretty easy at first because I would be able to do it, ED, quality and stuff. Well, then as we grew and now we have, I think it's like 46 agents total. How do you do that all week? So a lot of my Mondays and Tuesdays are back to back one-on-ones. You know, Edie's got her group. I've got a group of people. Um, Claudia helps, Andrea helps. And so everyone has enough people that we can make sure we touch every single person weekly and make sure we have a pulse on where they're at. Sounds Go ahead, Alex. <laughs> Sorry, I've just been, I've been, I've been dominating the conversation. So I'm giving you a chance to ask questions, Alex. That's well, all. Bobby, you're very familiar with. I am. So that's why I was trying to like get the setup and it's like, now I'll step out. <laughs> well, I have kind of a different, uh, and, and Bobby and I talked about this uh, a couple of weeks ago. My, my focus with the association and with the MLS and with top producers is that I get worried that you guys don't have adequate representation within the association and within the MLS uh, community. Um, and I know that you guys are a bit of an outlier in that, in that you have Andrea Sheridan as part of your team, which yep. is awesome. And, and I absolutely love that there's somebody in your team that's that's involved with the association and has helped to guide not only our, our regional association, but also um, the, the state of Missouri as well. So um, I think that's amazing that you guys have that. That being said, so many top producers within our marketplace, I, I feel as though they don't necessarily think that their voice is heard. Um, we make decisions, we legislate on things that are small potato problems, uh, in my opinion, and in many uh, top producer opinions. I have to be careful about saying all that, but it's just true. So um, I, I'm curious what your thoughts are on what the association can do uh, to better serve, not just, I, I think that our focus is on a different group of agents than the top producers. And I'm not saying that we should take our focus away from those people, but how can we expand our focus to make sure that top producers, top producing teams, top producing individuals are, um, are supported uh, by our structure and by the services that we provide? Yeah, I mean, you guys have a really tough job. I mean, I know what it's like in real sense sometimes. Like, oh my God, we got fine for this and we got fine for this. It can be that way. I think 
the hardest thing you guys have, and this is just my opinion, is in a way, you're your own real estate team. How can you build that culture that no one else wants to leave? You know, how can people get plugged into your culture and be part of the MLS? We're like, wow, this is actually a lot of value because there is value there. We see that value there. And like I said, fortunately, we hear from Andrea on the value there. But I don't think that message is heard enough throughout the community of real estate. Um, so I, you will hopefully be more qualified than me on that. But I think the best thing is to somehow bring people in. And the tough part is you have people from different brokerages, different levels, everyone has different views, but kind of creating that community of people that see that value and speak about it more and see it more. And I, I don't know if that's a social media push that because email sometimes I will admit, sometimes I get emails and I'm like, oh, delete, it doesn't matter. I don't know what that is, but that voice being heard and more of that community feel might be a way forward on that. You know, I appreciate that. I, just, I think that if you really broke down the production, I think you, I think we would see that uh, 80, uh, probably 80% of the production being done within our marketplace doesn't have representation yep. on the yeah. board. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I would agree. Driving yeah. policy decisions on MLS, even though these are the people that are for the most part, you know, doing the deals. Yeah. I've seen some of that and I've, you know, I don't know all, all members, obviously, but sometimes you hear about people on certain boards and I'm like, you know, no judging, but why? Like, have you got mm -hmm. some more real estate to sell first? You haven't sold that much real estate. So how can you help drive this forward? Maybe there's some criteria that needs to be there. I don't know. But then it comes back to, you might have the criteria, but then do you have anyone that wants to have that seat on the bus? Um, and then it's and case of, well, yeah, got to build that culture key. around it. That's right. And, and I, I think that what you said is exactly right. We've got to build a culture where, uh, people don't feel like when they commit to doing something like that, they're going to lose money, which yeah, is yeah. literally how people feel. And uh, so yeah. how do we, I, I think well, that's a good point. Yeah. Without hijacking, I mean, we get with our, we merge and I'm sure we get to this with Lucido Global. Um, and when we went down to Florida, they actually had a great speaker um, that came, Jocko Willink, who wrote Extreme Ownership. And one of the things he said was everyone in your organization needs to understand why they're doing the thing they're doing, even if it's simple. So it might be as simple as that, as people realizing why we're doing this, what's the cause behind it and just getting a bit deeper. I mean, fortunately through Leslie Brady, who I know you guys um, had a conversation with, she's part of our network and she's actually with Habitat for Humanity. And she got me sitting on one of the panels or the boards, I should say. Um, and the reason is I may not have all the knowledge around Habitat, but there's a passion there because it's a super important cause. So I feel great going and it's never a burden to go to the meetings mm -hmm. that might be the sort of thing there, just pushing that why and what's the reason behind it yeah you know the conversation you guys are having this is a slightly different angle but i think it all ties back together so when i was just presented at the ae institute we talked about the way that you know association operations have been changing but one of the things that we talked about is the mental health toll on our staff and that's and on our members as well because everyone is stressed out in our world right now. But one of the things that we talked about to the AEs is protecting their staff from some of our members. And we yeah. had to basically say, we're sorry. We know some of our members are complete jerks. And the AEs in the room like started clapping, like, thank you for saying that because we see the way on social media that some of our members treat our, especially our MLS staff. Like you talked about getting fines and just shaking it off. Oh, yeah. Like we messed up, something happened, we'll fix it. But yeah. then these other people go on these rants on Facebook yeah. 
And then what you'll see is you'll see staff come out and say, A, here's how you can get involved if you want to make changes to these rules. And number two, please reach out to me so I can try to fix whatever problem you have. Then nothing happens. Two days later, the same person's complaining about the same thing. And the staff member says, hey, by the way, you never reached out to me. Yep. These are the people who want to complain, but never be a part of the solution. So thank you, Josh, for <laughs> even though it's Habitat, you stepped up and you want to be a part of a solution as opposed to mm -hmm. sitting and complaining about the things that are going on. Absolutely. All right, Alex, do you have any more questions before I wrap it up? No, I don't think so. But Bobby always has a one really last good question. question. <laughs> I like that. And it's an important one. Um, Josh, what else should I have asked you? What else should we be talking about? What else do you want to let our listeners know about being a top producer? Yeah, I would say, you know, I was this close to jumping out of the business before Edie came along because I just didn't have that passion for it. And now it's fueled again. And I've never had a day, and I can honestly say this, where I've woke up and thought, oh, I've got to go into the office. I love it. Now, if I have that day, I'm out. I don't want that day. We've had struggle. We've had struggles at some times and we have disagreements, you know, you know, all teams do, but I've never woke up and been like, I don't want to go to work today. So if you're at that point where you're solo, you're on a team, you're in a small group and you're struggling, ask someone, go talk to someone, go speak to whether it's a bigger team, go to someone bigger than you because you'll learn more. If you go to someone that's doing the same as you, you're not going to get the right answers. So go to someone that's selling way more than you are, that's been in your shoes and just get the advice you need. Um, and don't be afraid to ask people. There's nothing wrong with joining a team, a mega team, a whatever. Like if it helps your business, the end of the day, you, your family and your goals is what's most important. I couldn't care less if my name's on a sign or not on a sign. does not bother me. Yes, we have name writers and our agent names are on it, but I don't care. It could be Paul Smith or I care. <laughs> so just ask and get the answers you need. I love that answer. That was awesome. Thank you, Josh, for your time today. No it was, it's been way too long since I've seen I you. Know. I need to come see you. Um, but thanks for making time for us today. And we really do appreciate you. No, thank you, guys. Appreciate you having me. Thanks, Josh.